And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. From the Golden Gate to the New York Bay. What I have access to is a bit different than the public. Tamper with you. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. So Sam King, Anthony Slater, uh-huh. and Fred Katz. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to put in coming to rain. Trial, you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. Hey, baby, you don't have to tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Here's your host, Sam Amick. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic, here with co-host friends, lawyers, beat writer, etc., Kings, occasional beat writer, uh, Slater, Mr. Anthony Slater. Uh, we are coming at you from the Denver airport. This is your NBA Finals Denver Nuggets edition, off-season edition, all of the above. Some background noise. So this is one of those pods where our super producer, Andrew Schleck, always reminds me to, to give a little disclaimer so everybody can stick with us. I, uh, I'm going to paint the picture if this doesn't show up on YouTube. I'm, I'm currently sitting in, uh, in a restaurant inside the Denver airport uh, at a little table in the corner. Got this brick wall behind me. Uh, a little unorthodox. We, we wanted to get the pod out and talk about the action. Talk about the champion Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray. And a lot more than that is, is my colleague and, and uh, associate friend, Tony Jones, that I wrote last night, Slater. This Nugget story, uh, they flipped the script a little bit, I think, on the super team model. Uh, they had chances over the years to trade Jamal for a higher profile player. We reported that in 2017, Kyrie Irving was one of those possibilities. They passed on that. They believed in Joker. And then when Calvin Booth, their GM who took over, in the uh, after the departure of Tim Conley to Minnesota, Calvin, you know, adding Contavious Caldwell Pope, signing Bruce Brown, drafting Christian Brown, uh, all these role players that all had big time moments in the finals and in the entire playoff run. Uh, your thoughts? I know you weren't here, but uh, you know, as as a longtime skeptic of these Denver Nuggets, long time. What do you say now, buddy? Yeah, uh, long time hater, first time caller here. Uh, <laughs> no. I mean, look, I was picking them by about, you know, end of the first round because, uh, you know, how good they looked and and how, I don't know, not as threatening the West looked. But, you know, you mentioned it there, like the way they built the team obviously has become a big story. You wrote about it, you know, kind of in depth, uh, you know, a more organic build. But you really you look at the last three champions are organic builds, right? Remember the Bucks in 2021? I mean, that's. That's Giannis, that's Middleton. Uh, you know, obviously the, the holiday trade is mixed in there, but to me, kind of like the core of what they 
you know, were was organically built up. The Warriors, I mean, they're famously all their main guys basically were drafted uh, to this right. team. Um, and, you know, Boston, I remember in the finals last year when it was Celtics Warriors, uh, the talk was, you know, just how organically built both of those teams were. Uh, so it's the, the, the evidence is mounting that this is not only – you know, the way that I think fans like their teams being built, but it's, it's the way it's kind of be succeeding in the NBA right now. It is. I, I like the Bucks comparison because Giannis Middleton, now Drew Holiday at the time, you could argue that was more of a blockbuster trade than Aaron Gordon when the Nuggets got Gordon. But, you know, now in terms of value on that particular team, they're in the same ballpark. Aaron had a fantastic run. Um, and defensively is was incredibly important to what they do. And and, and he kind of also fits into the idea that, again, starting with Tim Conley, Calvin Booth, Michael Malone, incredibly involved in their front office moves, and his voice is always considered. They looked at their roster, and, and there's all these guys from the past where they, you know, they had good Nuggets runs and affection for these players within the organization, but the Will Bardens of the world, Devontae Morris's, uh, you know, in terms of affection, not quite as much, but Bones Highland had a bad ending in Denver. Players that were not ultimately perceived for them and their purposes as championship players, uh, not versatile enough, not defensive-minded enough. Um, and that's a shift that they made that did get them to steal Calvin's way of putting it uh, over the hump. Actually, I think that was Michael Malone. You know, He talked to me heading into Game 5 about a conversation he had uh, with Calvin last summer, they're figuring out what they want to do. And the general question was, how do we get this thing over the hump? Uh, you know, and, and he credited Calvin and he said, listen, Calvin had the balls to do this. Kind of loved how he said it. Like in, in Denver, for all these years where they competed and where people like Slater justifiably were skeptical of where it was all going, uh, there was kind of this unspoken sense that, all right, Joker's nice. Oh, well, yeah, he's better than nice. He's He's pretty damn good. But, it, you know, are they a championship group or are they just kind of content winning 45 to 55 games, you know, making some money in terms of playoff runs, um, but not going from good to great? And and I do kind of love, you know, the way they finally got this thing over that finish line with Calvin leading the way. You know, they made some some nuanced, bold, tricky, you know, uh, additions that paid off. Yeah, I mean, like the – what was the full deal? I'm, I know it was Monty Morris for uh, – Contavious Caldwell Pope, but the, it was a little bit more fleshed out than that. Uh, give me a second to pull that back up. But I mean, you had, you know, Ismith and Will Barton. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so Will, the, Will the Barton would be the other yeah. big name. So it's kind of Monty Morris right. and, and Will Barton. And uh, yeah, that's the, like turns into a home run move. I mean, I know Monty Morris was a fine, solid, you know, backup guard, but Contavious Caldwell Pope is a championship level player, as we've seen now twice. Uh, Bruce Brown goes up there with, you know how every single year it feels like the champion has like, you know, they have a bargain bin home run signing. Um, I would, yep. Yep. the year before this, you would say the Warriors was probably Otto Porter Jr. or Gary Payton second. Um, yep. Bruce Brown was that. So much that he's about to get paid big, which guess what? That happened last year, right, Gary Payton? And, and I know, Porter. I mean... So much so that you you find yourself going, oh man, like you know, it's too bad they couldn't lock him up for more than a year. You know, they had a one plus one, two year, thirteen yes. million dollar deal with Bruce. You know, Malone <clears throat> had told the story about how uh, last off season, right on the the eve of free agency, actually day two of free agency, he's on a plane uh, coming back from Indianapolis. His youngest daughter Bridget had been in a volleyball tournament, 
and he's talking to Calvin before getting on the plane about different free agency options. Uh, he gets on that plane and he looks at some tape of Bruce Brown. And this is, you know, somewhat related to your your uh, your main beat is that Malone is watching tape of Bruce Brown guarding, um, you know, guys like Jason Tatum uh, and, and thinking about, you know, how that might look going forward and thinking about the finals last year with the Warriors and Celtics. And he told Calvin, you know, that, that the championship teams are, are long, defensive minded, you know, guard multiple positions. And he looked at Bruce and, and said, you know, we got to go after this guy. And they agreed on that front. It is too bad that they're very likely going to lose them uh, in the, in the chaos of game five. I actually, <clears throat> excuse me. I actually grabbed Calvin in the locker room and just to give some of that color Slater, you know, Calvin's got those championship goggles on. <clears throat> Apologies. I had to mute there real quick. Get the frog out of my throat. So Calvin's got the championship goggles on, champagne flowing everywhere, just a mass of humanity. You got the white tarp surrounding the Nuggets locker room. Calvin's having a good time. And I, I asked him, I said, you know, I, I know you're kind of stuck in the euphoria of the moment, but I do wonder, is there any part of you that still thinks there's a way to hold on to Bruce Brown? And he kind of laughed. He's like, maybe I'll go catch him. And, you know, while he's drunk off the championship and get him to agree, I think he probably knows where this is going. Bruce is expected to opt out. You know, I asked Bruce where his head was at in terms of the idea of maybe finding a way to stick around. And all he would give me was like, that's not where my head's at right now. But regardless of what happens, that's one of those moves. Like we've talked before, there is a threshold where uh, when you win a championship, it, it almost justifies everything. Like every every move on that chessboard gets endorsed. And I'm curious how you see this one, because, uh, you know, I think this is in that category. You know, Michael Porter Jr. struggled big time in the finals. Ends up contributing a bit in game five, uh, but he was important for their playoff run. And, and it's one of those things where however you got there, you got the title. And here's this guy with all these back problems, uh, you know, times when you wondered if he was even going to be able to have an NBA career. They gave him this massive max extension. And it's like, listen, you know, they got the job done. I mean, that specific, uh, you know, player and contract and part in this, how do you see that? Uh, I think that uh... – Getting him at 14th overall, we've known for a while now that that was like a, a um, great gamble and it paid off. And like even through the seasons that he couldn't play last season where he barely played at all, um, as risky as it was, like getting him at 14 was much different than the reason why he didn't get drafted early in that draft. Right, The back stuff gets red flag. Sure, if you took him fourth overall uh, or something like that, it would still, you know, maybe look like a questionable pick. I would long term still be. Um, a little bit weary of how that contract's going to age. Um, right. But this doesn't seem like the time, you know, to like discuss, like, as you mentioned, like, you know, how's Michael Porter, you know, is, is he going to be worth whatever 30 something million? Um, is he, is he going to hold up, you know, physically because they built a deep team. I think Michael Porter Jr. Had, you know, plenty of big moments all regular season. Um, I think he had big moments in the playoffs. Wasn't that great in this series, but you build a deep team. And, you know, you can fill in the holes. What did they draft Christian Brana? He was 21st. Uh, yeah. Some some mock drafts had him second round. They get him 21st. You know, you talk about a run. That young man, Slater, yeah. three, three consecutive high school championships, a college national championship, and an NBA. That dude hadn't lost anything in half a decade. And he's, you know, I don't know, 22, whatever he is. Pretty young dude. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen something like that. Yeah, no, that is, uh, you know, and th there are teams that, and I, I believe I read that in your story, 
part of the reason they drafted him is because, you know, it's like winning mentality, winning like DNA, essentially. Like, you know, he's going to make glue guy plays. Um, and like, it sounds cliche at times, but I do think being on a winner your entire life, you learn, um, you know, the value in, you know, chasing after a loose ball, the value in making an extra pass in, right. uh, you know, not, you know, accepting a bench role in a specific matchup, but knowing that, you know, three games later you need to be ready because, hey, Michael Porter Jr. is struggling. We need you to guard this guy. We need, you know, you're playing well in the third quarter. You're going to play the whole fourth, that kind of stuff. So uh, I think, you know, I know, you know, from the past, you know, specifically the Warriors at times of like Villanova guys because it's like they win. They know how to win. Right. And right, I think right. there's a little of that with, 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 uh, you know, Christian. Uh, listen, I know we're doing a little bit of a brief version of the pod this week, so I'm going to keep it moving. But before we, I want to get your thoughts on the heat, their off season, their future, kind of whatever their legacy is of this run in the past couple of years. Uh, but on the nuggets front to tie a loose end on that, you know, Joker, we just have to, to say it, you know, one of the best playoff runs in league history, uh, in the finals, he goes 30.2 points. Uh, 14 boards, 7.2 assists, uh, you know, a, a unanimous finals MVP. I was one of the voters. That was the easiest choice I've made in quite some time. You know, Jamal well, let me Murray. Ask you, let me ask you, because you covered yes, the Yon, and I've compared this previously, but you covered the Giannis run two years ago where he had, was coming off the back-to-back MVPs, didn't get the third MVP, then had the jaunts through the playoffs that obviously included that, you know, monster finals and and the clincher, what did he have, like 15 and 15, something like that. Um, yeah. What w- – was Jokic's playoff run better than Giannis's to you? Uh, they're, they're, they're in the same stratosphere. The only thing with Giannis is that, you know, you felt there was more of a tension when it comes to their their opponent, and, and that's where it's not – joker's fault but they ran first of all they go 16 and 4 overall in the playoffs and uh it's one of the most dominant it's it's probably a top 10 most dominant playoff run of all time if not higher so there's that you know with Giannis, especially in the finals against phoenix when you know you you had chris paul devin booker deandre aiden that that felt like more of a a closer matchup that kind of opened that door for Giannis's greatness to be the difference maker if that makes sense this I mean, that's not a knock against Joker at all. This was like, okay, they have no answer for him. Uh, you know, early on in game five, for example, man, he had a, a possession. I think it was with Bam down on the right block. And it's just like this level of force and aggression and dominance from Joker that you don't see all the time in the regular season as far as good old-fashioned post play because there's there's 82 games. But he just like backed him down like it was nothing. Turns, I think, a little lefty hook, you know, finishes like, they had nothing for him. And so it's, you know, I don't know which one was better. You know, Giannis had more moments in those finals, um, you know, the block uh, on Aiden and things like that. Uh, but but he obviously answered all the critics uh, that, you know, that didn't think he could do this. The Nuggets ran around wearing this T-shirt that did crack me up. It said, the joke's on you with a picture of Jokic where he actually looked like the Joker from, you know, Batman and Joker. And, and they're leaning into it. So, a great run for him, but we can't forget at all that Jamal Murray, you know, post-torn ACL, goes out there, and these are his playoff numbers, Slater. 26.1 points, um, 5.7 boards, 7.1 assists. I wish I had looked it up, but there's not a lot of 26, 7, and 5s for a playoff run. Uh, you know, that puts him at over a few lists of his own. Do you have his stats up? Like, what, were, what did he shoot percentage-wise, like, overall and from three? 47.3 overall, 
uh, 39.6 from three ninety two. So, you know, just, yeah. as, you know, that, yeah, that's shade that, below 5490. Yeah. That's great efficiency for a high volume, high difficulty guy, right? You know how many we're talking right. like step backs off the dribble over contests, late in the clock, right. late in corners, right. all that type of stuff. Uh, yeah, it was star guard, like capable, you know, Batman to Robin type stuff from him. Um, and, you know, if we broaden it out and look forward, you know, obviously, and this always happens when a team, especially a younger team on the rise, wins a title, the the question becomes, are we talking dynasty? You know, is this going to, can they make, can it be a back-to-back titles? Can I'll be, be honest, they are. They are a little bit. Oh, like yeah, not- Mike, Michael Malone. Yeah, he, he made that very clear right away, right? Uh, but Mike, but to me, it's Jamal Murray will answer that question is Jamal. It was this just, you know, another kind of like special Jamal Murray type playoff run. Uh, and then he'll kind of go back to who he's been in the regular season, which is fringe level all-star to non-all-star, right? He's never made an all-star team. Um, or is this like the trampoline to, you know, really like super, super stardom where we're talking about yeah. like perennial all-star every year um, right. because, you know, mm-hmm. he's going to be an extra year off the ACL an extra year older, more confident, um, right. you know, so if he is who he was in these playoffs, like moving forward for the next half decade, well, they have him and Jokic locked in and you're talking about, you know, two of the top. I mean, we know Jokic is like, you know, probably the top player in the world. Where would you put Murray exiting these playoffs? I mean, is it ambitious to be like a top 15 player? I mean, he was in the playoffs, right? Yeah. I mean, I top 20 came to my mind. I'd have to look at the list, uh, you know, but. We, we sometimes are guilty of, of, you know, overvaluing the regular season. Like, the playoffs is what matters most. Agreed. And, and, and we got to give kind of the, the flowers to the guys that get it done there. Uh, I hate to do this because uh, this is a good combo. I'm going to put a shot clock on us. Uh, we got 11 minutes and counting to make the rounds here because I'm definitely going to be eating this food in front of you before I jump on this plane. Um, let's talk Miami Heat, Slater. Jimmy Butler uh, has, you know, a, a Yao Man's run through the postseason incredible stuff and we joked off air before coming on like you know does sam have a rant today anything that's under sam's skin um the, the closest thing i have to it is as much as i enjoyed jimmy's game like i had not covered the eastern side of the playoffs until the finals that's just how we typically work at our place and so i was legitimately excited to see this like nuclear version of jimmy butler and then admittedly was a little disappointed that I was like, damn, he's either tired or the ankle that he hurt in that Knicks series was bothering him. Uh, you know, he ends up having good numbers for the finals, but uh, he, he was not uh, the guy that he had been in the three previous rounds. And in game five, especially, you know, he's got eight points midway through the fourth quarter. And you're sitting there going, wow, Jimmy, how are you really going to go down like this? And then he goes crazy near the end. And, and it was, you know, impressive to watch. But you're thinking, why, why couldn't you have tried to do this? A little bit earlier. So his finals numbers, uh, 21.6 points, uh, 4.6 boards, 6.4 assists, shooting not good, 41.3 overall, and then 36.8 from three. I mean, that was a massive, massive factor in the series. Jimmy just did was you, not the guy you got get before. Do you have any sense on like how bad the ankle was really bothering him? I mean, I know obviously he really tried to shut I never that saw him. People kept alluding to it, but I, I mean, I kept watching him and I never saw, I didn't see it. I think fatigue is probably part of it. I think, you know, the, the fact that they played three more games than they needed to in the East finals when they, after they were up early was not great for their long-term prospects. Uh, but no, I didn't see him winter. 
Yeah, uh, I agree with you. You know, I'm watching the game last night in the fourth, and I know he did hit the two back-to-back threes, and then he gets that kind of controversial foul in the corner, which was like, you know, he, he kind of brought them right back into the game there, but there were several times throughout the game where you just couldn't get anything going offensively. You know, I can I remember the possession where it was, you know, Kyle Lowry's trying to shoot a fadeaway over Aaron Gordon, which is like the easiest block shot I've seen in a long time. Uh, and you just you kind of wanted to see more from Jimmy. Um, it reminded me a little bit of the bubble finals where he had, they, you know, the heat and Jimmy Butler had, had that really impressive run all the way through the East. They beat the Celtics in the East finals. Uh, they get to that Lakers team in the bubble and they were just physically worn down. You, me- you remember the famous photo from the, uh, those playoffs from Butler, right? Where oh, yeah. he's like, I was sitting like five feet away from him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, felt a little like that, like gas tank on E long run through the finals and just the, t- I mean, the talent level, the talent difference was just so well, that's, obvious. That's where the natural follow there is that, uh, you know, this Jimmy Butler era, they, they still owe him a ton of money in the next four years. I believe, you know, whatever that number is, you know, he is their guy for quite some time and worthy of being. So we just saw that um, this off season, of course, already tons of chatter about what, uh, what, which star they might be able to bring to town. Damian Lillard, you know, in a, like would look amazing on that roster. I would love to see that. But, you know, it's going to be – you look at the possible deals there. It's you, The path looks pretty challenging. Um, so we'll see who else they look at. I do fully expect them to find – try to find somebody else to help Jimmy, help Bam, and that group. The, the depth that you mentioned, the talent disparity was there. Um, and, again, just like the bubble, just kind of, you know, ran out of gas uh, at the end here. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. 
in the uh, just to, to to go all Sam Amick on you and, and and try to move us forward as as we have a time limit on this podcast. Um, you mentioned an important name that I wanted to talk as we kind of shift towards the offseason because look, drafts next week, free agencies the week after that, things are moving. Um, and this is is somewhat in that Miami conversation you're talking about because you mentioned Damian Lillard, but I I mean I'm very curious about the Blazers and and what they might do and like obviously they have the third overall pick maybe Scoot Henderson falls to them um, do they pick Scoot Henderson and pair him with Simons and Lillard do they trade Simons do they trade Lillard you've always been pretty plugged in with with Portland like to me they're like the most interesting team over the next couple of weeks like what's your sense on them. Yeah, I need to dig into it. I don't have a great sense right now, but I'm, I'm struck by how open the conversation has become as it relates to Dame and the Blazers and all the different possibilities. You know, he's doing IG Live where he's kind of addressing different specific team scenarios and other interviews where stuff like that comes up. It seems like a, a pretty cut and dried situation. If As long as they trade the third pick and get somebody of, of kind of import, then uh, maybe – the Dame era continues. If not, probably more than ever, it's starting to feel like if that roster doesn't look like he wants to team come mid-July or even earlier, then we're going to be talking about where he goes next. Uh, and I don't blame him. You, you watch these finals every year after year. This dude is as good as almost everybody on the floor in these finals. And and uh, I, I understand that he's wanted to, to make it happen in the city that drafted him and the organization that drafted him. But right now, uh, they look a, a very long ways off. Yeah, I mean, and I've thought from a Portland perspective, it, it has made sense to kind of pull the eject button for a couple of years now. But I will say, in our, you know, our Shams reported yesterday that the Pelicans are after Scoot Henderson. Well, not too many teams that would you know be available to trade for Scoot Henderson. We're really only talking about two, Charlotte at two, Portland at three. Um, if he is available at three, and if the Pelicans are really as interested as, as it sounds, and Scoot Henderson, I mean, you know, if you talk about getting Lillard some help now, Pelicans got some players, got some 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 assets that could maybe attempt to jump, re-jump start a, a Damian Lillard contention window. I'm not sure they'd be successful, but that's something to watch. No, no question. Uh, and that's why, you know, the reports, and I'm forgetting to put this out the other day, but, you know, there are reports that, that uh, you know, Brandon Miller could go number two, which would open up Scoot at three. You know, and, and then it becomes, okay, what does Dame uh, uh, think of the guys on the Pelicans roster that, that might be available? There, There's definitely some possibilities there. Uh, we'll see. I think we're going to, you know, this is why it's crazy. I hit the fin- uh, the finals finish line. It feels like a finish line. It's not. It's a, it's a starting line. You know what I mean? Like, we're about to get into everything from James Harden, his future, Billy Houston, uh, which way is he going to go? Um, your Warriors, what do they do with their roster? Um, you know, there, there's a ton that's going to happen. We'll be at summer league before you know it. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it is, uh, it's always a, a time for pivoting when it comes to covering the association. Well, summer league is the finish line. You know, that as a veteran reporter in this league, you, when you leave yeah. summer, league, that's, that is the off season, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, uh, what is of interest most to you? I mean, you mentioned Harden. Um, is there a specific situation out there or, or something in this offseason that like your antenna's up for most? I think, my friend, because this has been a wonderful conversation, I'm gonna save that for next week, Bob. We will dive into all things offseason next week. That's next uh, week, that's rather. Geez. Yeah, you know, you know what a tease is? It's this burger that's been staring at me for a half an hour that I gotta inhale before I catch my flight. I'm 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 not getting on that flight hungry. 
So uh, I'm going to eat this burger. I'm going to get home, say hello to the family. Been away for quite some time. Uh, but as always, thank you for your flexibility jumping on the pod. One of these days, we got to get our guy Fred Katz back on here. It's been a little chaotic of late, but I appreciate, as always, the listeners. Uh, it was a fun run. Congrats to the Denver Nuggets. They they did it. I think we're going to be talking about them for years to come. Joker proved a lot of people wrong. Jamal, pretty cool story of a guy who uh, you know saw his career flash before his eyes and, uh, and kind of on to the next. Thanks, brother. Enjoy that hamburger, sir. Thank you, my friend. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.